and welcome to episode 921 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, April 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. Um, I don't have any specific reasons for being well. I just am. Okay. Well, so that's, that's good, I, I mean, that's, that works, right? You know, yeah, yeah just feeling good. Um, it, it's easy to feel good when baseball is is in you know, in full swing the way it is. And so that's usually what, what drives a lot of my, uh, my excitement is, uh, baseball related stuff. And it's been awesome. So I'm really excited to talk about some things today. We've got some fun topics to get into. It's not a huge news day. So we're kind of just diving in on some players, getting in on some, uh, some different things. You put a couple things in the roto write up that really stood out to me that I want to get into as well. Um, how are you doing before we get into all that? I'm doing fairly well. Like I, uh, you know, my most of my leagues outside of TGFBI are doing well or well enough where I'm not like freaking out. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, how are them saves? <laughs> I still have none. I have, oh no, I have zero saves, and I spent a crap ton of money on Jordan Romano this yeah. week. Um, I'm desperate. Like I'm, I'm like it's it's uh it's not good. Yeah, still, unless I got a, a save late last night, which I did not. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still, I'm still over. I, I so yeah. Obviously, being over at this point is is tough. There's really no two ways around that. But the landscape uh, as a whole is pretty bad. This is purely anecdotal. Obviously, I, I wouldn't even know how to research this. But I do wonder, and let me know if you agree with this, I feel like you're less behind than you would be in just about any, like as saves get worse year over year, the fact that you're at zero on April 27th, so 27 days into the season, I feel like on a normal year, 27 days in the season, if you're at zero, the lowest team would have like seven or eight already and and you'd be really buried but i think there's a lot of fours and fives at the bottom of leagues again i might i might be dead wrong on that but it certainly feels that way with the with the turmoil that we had both coming into the season and then of course the upset that happens as the season goes on already too and we've already seen jobs turn over so i, I don't know i feel like yeah it, it it's bad but i i don't think that you're you're completely toast no i mean i'm not completely toast like just looking at my tgfbi league there's one team with two saves, uh, and there are two teams with four, a team with five. Like, So it's not like I'm super far behind. I just wonder... Uh, is, where are you going to get them? Yeah, where are you going to get them, and where are you going to get bulk saves, right? It's, it's just, It seems like there are so many situations right now, Kansas City being one of them, uh, that are clearly just going to share the responsibilities. Um, and that's going to make it harder for like a 20 save guy to emerge. I think you're what you're going to have to do if you're in a situation like mine is kind of spread your net kind of far and wide. Keep churning. Yep. And Keep just churning. try to find a, a few guys who can get you, you know, seven month here, to month 12. There. Yeah. Kind of saves. Now um, you mentioned KC. You don't think that that's Stoman's job right now? I don't. They, I, they've no. kind of no, this is, moved on. Uh, um, and I th- believe this comes from Greg Jewett, who's very locked in on yes, on closers. They're pretty. Their plan moving or this season is to kind of assign different relievers 
you know, kind of um, different, pl- uh, you know, spots in the lineup and go, okay, gotcha. if, if the three, four, five come up today, you're the guy who's getting the, the eighth inning and you're the guy who's going to get the ninth type thing. Um, I think it's just going to change hands a bunch of times until midseason. And then maybe they trade a Greg Holland, maybe they trade like a Barlow and then Stalmont. Yeah, or Wade Davis. But I, I do think that, like, I don't think anybody on this team is getting to 20 saves. Okay. I think that's fair. I, I I was asking on on Twitter yesterday if I if Stomont was the guy from folks. So it's not something that I was like definitive on myself. I was just obviously watching the game because it was against the Tigers, and um, Holland came out in the eighth, and you know it was very clearly not going to be a two inning save. So I was like, okay, it looks like uh, looks like Stomont's coming out for this one. Now that's two saves in the last three days, but that's a short term. And I, I agree with you that it seems to be kind of moving here and there hasn't been anything about Holland. He was on the COVID IL for like a day or two, um, which I think had people thinking that that opened up the job. I know Holland hasn't been great, but I will say, and and this is always the uh, fantasy versus real life thing. Matheny is managing the bullpen in a way that I think is, is perfectly fine for real life. It's just maddening for fantasy because we want a locked in guy but this is the right way to do it. Be flexible. Have guys in different spots. If you think the seventh inning is the best time for Josh Stelman to come out and put out a fire, deploy him. And so, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that uh, that, that it is going to be a little bit of a moving target. There were some big bucks spent on Stelman. So do you think that those are going to go for naught then? Um, I mean, they'll get some saves, but do you think it's triple digits maybe was a little overboard? Yeah, I think triple digits was probably a little bit overboard, but who knows? I threw triple digits on Romano, and he's <laughs> probably not the guy either. Um, but I, I think, you know, I had a conversation with uh, Eric Smolsky last night of Rotoballer on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, and I think moving forward, my... I'm really going to go back to kind of the old adage of, of pick skills, not roles, and just hope yeah. that the rules, you know, work itself out. Unless you're paying up, you know, for, a, you know, a defined guy, you know, prior to the season type thing. Um, but I think in season, your best bet is to go after guys that are really good pitchers that could find their way into the back end of a bullpen, as opposed to throwing bad money at bad pitchers, hoping that they have the role, because... It just seems like so many of these situations are fluid. Uh, and going back to your point about like Greg Holland not having been good real quick, like it's been two bad outings. We're still at a yeah. point in the season. Like he he's he's yeah. Had... I was saying he hasn't been that bad. He, oh I okay. I don't think he's melted down yeah. or anything. That's why. I no, was wondering, he, he's had two bad outings out of his eight, and okay. the rest of his outings have been scoreless. And you so. can take. Like you said, two, one, we're still yeah. in the reliever zone where one bad outing can completely hang over you. So do not look at composite numbers with guys. We talk about game logging all the time with like starters right now. If you're not doing it with the relievers, you're going to get a, a weird picture of what, the, unless they've just been dominant from the jump, obviously. But if they have that one bad outing, let alone two, uh, it, it, it's hanging over their numbers and really making it look a lot worse than it is. So you do have to be in there kind of looking at uh, at these relievers to see what they're what they've been doing yeah so i think that's a great point there uh, all right well let's get into that's a little, little t- see i knew it too like, yeah we didn't have like a huge list and i was like you know we'll have some tangents and there we go first first tangent and it was a good one um all right let's talk about anthony desclafani he was dominant last night going the distance in a in a start that the fantasy community was pretty dialed in on 
Uh, we're going to get into the main reason why in a moment. But uh, he goes uh, for the shutout, allowing three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. He, he did get what, uh, what Nick Pollock calls Rocky Road, which is uh, the Rockies on the road, which usually, uh, and, and the way he phrases that, that's one of his better mnemonic devices because it's sweet, it's sweet and tasty. And when you're, when you're starting somebody against them, against the Rockies on the road, it's sweet and tasty, just like the ice cream. So Descofani takes full advantage there, dominating, and that continues his quality work. And we'll get into the rest of the guys in a moment. But it continues the amazing starting pitching. Uh, it's a pretty good relief pitching, too, by the way. Uh, but the amazing starting pitching that the Giants have been getting. Descofani dropped his ERA to 150 uh, in five starts. He's got a strikeout printing on the button, 30 in 30. He's been awesome. He allowed three runs in four innings his last time out, a little bit of a bumpy start. But before that, it was 1-0-1, and one. and then, of course, a, a shutout yesterday. Is Anthony Descofani a thing again? Uh, I think he is. I mean, obviously, he's not going to pitch like this. But, I mean, his biggest issue prior to, you know, coming to San Francisco was home runs, right? And pitching Great America Ballpark. It was uh, – and so pitching in San Francisco, he has not given up a home run yet in San Francisco. Both of his home runs have been on wow. the road. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is a thing. And this was a guy that I was uh, pretty kind of in on coming into the season. Giants have been doing really, really good things in reclamation projects. Yeah, they have. Um, and we're seeing it this year again. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you if you scooped him up off the waiver, I can't imagine He's available in leagues right now, but not will, at this point. No, I mean, I will, I will definitely like double check right now just cause I have my, uh, CBS, um, uh, so league maybe open. in some, in some Uber shallow, like some super shallows, but 12s and 15s. He, he's, he's available in 35% what? of CBS leagues. Um, CBS caters deeper. That's yeah. They tend to cater at least to like 12 doing? team leagues. So, like, if you're in a shallow league and Descalfani's still there, I think you got to go just pick him up right now. I'm, I, listen, I'm surprised because this is not his first good start. No. And, I mean, you know, he's had people... pretty much five good starts. Yeah. In, or, well, he... four, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could think was he. The people drop him after Philadelphia. I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe. Yeah, but... cutting there. That's the only thing. But. Man, that'd be a sharp reaction. And he's been good before, too. Now, it has been a while since we've seen Anthony Descofani, you know, be a big fantasy viable pitcher. Um, because, like you said, the home runs are just kind of always hanging overhead. Actually, it hasn't been that long. Pardon me. 2019. I thought 2018 was when he had the sub-4 ERA. 2019. So we're only a year removed from him being a, a solid fantasy asset for 167 innings. He was terrible last year. But... I mean, he already has virtually as many innings this year as he did last year. So wouldn't that kind of cancel it out and at least bring you back to the neutral area of maybe 2019 where you where you thought Descofani was good? I, I'm shook by that number. Um, it's only 46% rostered at ESPN, and I know they cater to 10s. But again, I would have thought it was higher coming into a good start and then getting uh, having the good start because um, he did go up 13 points yesterday at ESPN. So that means he was only 33%. I don't know, man. I, I just don't think the pitching landscape is that strong that somebody like Descofani should be that widely available in shallower leagues. Yeah. And, I mean, he has got a tough kind of schedule for the next two starts. He's, he's going to – or he's uh, he's got San Diego twice. 
Um, He's already handled them once this year. Yeah, and he did it at San Diego. So Not, not that you're dying for that. You know, you're not saying mm-hmm. bring him on, give me all the difficult outings, but I don't know, man. He, he's he's standing tall so far, and like I said, the Giants rotation as a whole has been fantastic. Now, uh, Kevin Gosman, known commodity. He was expensive. People were buying in on his his surge last year and saying, let's keep doing it. So I'll put him off to the side a little bit because I want to talk about the guys who you know have been basically scrap heap pickups in addition to Descalfani. Aaron Sanchez and Alex Wood, two more reclamation projects. And they were bigger injury guys than than performance, where Descalfani was was really a performance situation. Let's start with Alex Wood. Uh, his ERA isn't even over one yet. Now he has two starts, but it's a .75 with a .50 whip. The one thing I like about Wood is that pretty much throughout his career, he's been good when healthy. And the last two years have been really bad. Uh, because he wasn't healthy. He pitched a combined 48 innings and had a six ERA. So terrible, right? But before that, you could pretty much count on quality innings, not a ton of them, uh, but good innings when healthy. It's looking healthy again, getting quality innings. It, Alex Woods, somebody whose roster rate needs to jump, because I'm sure if Descalfani's is that low, then Woods has to be per, probably it's minuscule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. sure it's, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's in like uh, like the teens or, or 20s. Um, yeah, I, Wood is one of those guys that I've always kind of liked. <laughs> and it's just been a matter of can he stay on the field, which has obviously been, like you mentioned, his biggest issue. Um, I mean, I think this is one of those situations where you kind of ride it until the wheels fall off, right? Because yeah. it, it feels like it's just going to be a matter of time. Oh, he's actually, he's rostered 49% of, of CBS leagues. Wait, so, so more? Than no, no, one? no. He's uh, less, but... Oh, okay. He, I mean, he's still available in half of the leagues. Uh, just, that was a little bit higher than I thought it would be. Maybe he will... He's 32, 32 at ESPN with 25 of that coming recently. I don't know. You know how they put the little plus minus mm-hmm. next to it? I don't know what that, uh, what if that's a one day change or if that's the most recent week, but either way, the bulk of his roster rate for Alex Wood has come very recently. Yeah. I mean, I, the one thing I will say is that, you know, I believe both of Wood's starts have come against Miami. And while Miami has had some, you know, good games this season at times, like I don't think it's of that often. Yeah. They're, they're not, um, and I, I'm, I'm double checking, but I'm pretty sure no, you're they're, right. You're right. 12 innings and 11 strikeouts against Miami. Uh, it's been a home and home with them, basically. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, they're not they're not a super powerful offense uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, but it's still impressive. And the most impressive part for me is how deep he's going into games. Yeah. Because my biggest fear when they kind of signed him was he was going to end up being like a three inning guy. Um, and so far. He's you know he's gone five in his first start and then went seven in his last start. So there there are going to be bumps along the way, but everything I've seen from him so far is that the slider looks fantastic, the changeup is pretty good, um, and uh, and they're letting him go deep into games. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll trade him at some point. Um, though I mean, if they continue to have the best record in baseball, I mean maybe they make a go of it this year. But I, I just can't imagine that keeps up. Nah, y'all are going to get stuck in that position again where you can't The exact trade. same position. It's, yep. it's been the same thing the last, what, three yep. seasons now 
where we're we're just good enough to you know for the front office to be like, well, it's hard to rationalize selling um, yep, to the fan can't, base. Can't tear it all the way down and. I I I, I kind of think that is going to happen because this is a veteran laden team that you know can kind of be a seventy seven to eighty one win projection, and then variance can can pop off. And if you play on the a high end of variance to start the season, where the record is, is they're trending more like a high eighties, low nineties win team. I think they're going to struggle to be like, oh, well, we can't just trade all these uh, these pitchers who are doing well. So, yeah, have fun with that. Have, have fun <laughs> Thanks. with uh, your, Thanks, your team not trading anybody again. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, again, reclamation. Remember when he was traded uh, to to Toronto or from Toronto to Houston, and he got off to that good start, and we were all like, oh boy, of course they're going to change him. And then he had like two duds, and he was hurt. Mm-hmm. So you know. We've been here before, and and we want to temper our expectations here. But four starts in, he's been awesome. Now they haven't, they still haven't uncovered any strikeout potential. That's just not going to be part of Aaron Sanchez's game. I know there's a disconnect when you watch him and you see that the stuff is nasty, um, and, and it's mostly like a nasty sinker. Sinkers do not get swings and misses, y'all. So be careful with like seeing his nastiness with with his pitches. And plus he doesn't work at the same velo anymore. So it's probably easier to not necessarily see that and be like, where are the strikeouts? Cause he used to throw like a 96 mile an hour sinker. Um, and you'd be like, that's so filthy, but it doesn't generate whiffs. It's actually down to 90 right now. Um, but he's not walking anybody, which has always been a problem for him. Strikeout rate is whatever it's 18%. It's not that good, but he's getting results and he's in the best park he's ever pitched in. Is Aaron Sanchez somebody to to look at here? He's you know three pitch guy. Even with the velo down, we're seeing some success. Is there is there sustained success here for fantasy leagues? I don't know that it's going to be sustained. Um, I think this is one of those profiles that because he pitches to so much contact. I mean, he's got like a eighty eight percent zone, eighty nine percent zone contact percentage. Mm-hmm. That at some point that's going to come back to bite him a little bit. On the plus side, he ain't, he's not walking anybody. No, 5% is fantastic and the best of his career by a lot. Yeah, and so I don't think it's going to like, I don't think he's going to end up being like a 5 ERA pitcher or something, but probably something closer to like the high 3s, low 4s um, with a, a whip that isn't necessarily going to be great, but it's not going to be atrocious, like a 1-3 so- type. Um, Are you concerned about the walk rate not holding? Because I, I feel like those high whips that he would have were, were always because his walk rate uh, was was pretty high. And yeah, he would allow some hits too. But so it was a combination of the two. But I think if the walk rate sustains, can he not maintain something like one twenty five and below with the whip for Aaron Sanchez? I just worry about the amount of contact he gives. Up. That's fair. And, That's fair. I mean, he's been like a hit per inning guy the last what three seasons yeah. that he's pitched in. And, I mean, the defense behind him is pretty good with, I mean, Crawford is still an elite defender. Longoria, when healthy, is uh, a pretty good defender. But I do worry a bit about just the amount of balls he allows to go into play that eventually they're just going to continue to find holes and stuff like that. Sure, Um, sure. uh, I mean, I like the fact that he's not giving up, like, a crap ton of hard contact. Um, because that that's a good sign. So like I, I do think he's going to be usable. I think he's more of a spot start guy. And without the strikeout yeah. upside, 
I think you just have to be kind of careful about when and where you're going to play him. I think that's fair with Aaron Sanchez. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot on this because this probably sure. takes more research than anything cursory. But do you see anything in the profile that suggests that the walk gains are sticky for Sanchez? Because like I said, 5%. If he is keeping the walks down, then I do think that that whip has an opportunity to not be so painful even as the hits go back up. But are you seeing anything on, on the surface here that says that Sanchez is doing something for these walks? Or has he just run a little hot here with a 5% mark? I think part of it is he's running a little bit hot. Uh, I also think that the catching and framing has been pretty elite in San Francisco. Uh, do they have a good catcher, though? How dare you? Who do they have back there? Posey. Posey. Benji Molina, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, Posey's been a god, dude. Not, he's, not just with no, the pitching, but he's... He's uh, been he's amazing. And so Casali well. is... I mean, I, you know, Casale's been a really good framer as well. I like Kirk Casale. I yeah. think he's a fun C2, mm-hmm. and he can hit for some pop, too. He's going to hit you some clutch homers over the course of the year. But, yeah, the catching's playing really well. Um, but I think like that said, helps. We saw that. I'm trying yeah. to remember what um, – oh, it was with Bumgarner uh, a couple years ago when he was really having trouble with his command, and then Buster Posey went out with an injury. Um, and we saw just all of a sudden a huge drop off because Stephen Vogt was a terrible framer. That's um, not his strength. Yeah, and so like I, I think sometimes we forget like how much a catcher can help a pitcher. Yep. Um, by framing pitches well, by bringing things back into the zone that weren't necessarily in the zone, uh, and kind of fooling an umpire. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the walk rate will go up at some point. I don't, okay. but I don't think it's going to be like. I don't think we're going to see him go back to being like a, a 15 or 12 or percent. Double digit yeah, guy. even okay. double digit. Yeah, I think he's he'll probably live in like the 7 to 9% range, uh, which is fine, especially yeah. pitching in that park where, you know, some of the hard contact he will give up at times maybe won't translate into home runs. Yes, exactly. That that the San Francisco park can definitely help Sanchez the catching um, again, we're not going to get any sort of strikeout surge from him. That's just not part of his game. Never has been. But he's also still just 28 too. So you know, it's not like some crusty old guy here. I, I'm I'm rooting for Sanchez. He he is third among this this trio for me um, in terms of confidence. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Descofani, Wood, Sanchez, and you know, I think there are pretty big gaps too between the three. From Descalfani, Gap, Wood, yeah. Gap, Sanchez. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's unfair at all. I think, does the gap between Descalfani and Wood come down to injury? Yes. If, okay. if you could turn off injuries for Alex Wood, I think it'd be much closer. They'd be, yeah, they, they'd be damn near equal for me. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, he has such a lengthy his, history of injuries that you can't just ignore it and be like, oh, he has the same injury risk as everybody else. I think there is heightened injury risk there with Wood. Um, but hey, Riding all three right now until you until you can't, depending on your league type. They're either uh, team streamers or just full-on starts. For now, Descofani and Wood, for me, are full-on starts. Sanchez, team streamer. Moving him from the roster, from the reserve to the starting, and then back uh, when I don't want to use him. But I don't want to cut him just yet. Uh, okay, so I mentioned that that Giants game that Descofani beasted in uh, was at the center of, of Fantasy Focus last night. Or maybe not the center, but it was a, a more... Interesting game for the fantasy community than a an innocuous Monday Giants-Rockies game normally would be. Because how many main events 
<laughs> was Austin Gomber started in? Austin Gomber, the Colorado Rockies starter. How many main event leagues was he started in? Probably Every single one. 100%. I yes. saw that in your wrote a write-up. My jaw hit the floor. And then I laughed a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, I, let's revision this, right? Of course, I have the results in hand. Justin, am I crazy for thinking this was silly from the start, though? And and look, we got a stream. And streaming, you can get smoked streaming. And I have been before. I'm not here to pretend that I'm perfect. I don't usually stream guys with 17% walk rates, though. I, I, I didn't understand but the, even, the like, severe I'm, interest in him. Even more than like streaming a guy with the 17% walk rate. We're talking about going up against a Giants team that has just crushed it. That's a big problem too, is this perception that they're easy. And I think a big part of it is their park. And then the lack of like star talent and coming stars. Yep. Yeah. It's because it's all, you know, crusty vets doing their thing, but they're doing their thing. Like, that team, what did you say? Where do they rank in homers? They're ninth in homers. They're ninth in homers. We saw last year that um, Oracle doesn't play as pitcher well, friendly. Well, it, it's, that was it's part playing, of the yeah, it's playing more pitcher friendly this year. But like but especially against lefties, like they they are a much better team against lefties than they are against righties. Um, yeah. So were you in on Gomber? I put him as like a high risk option in the road ahead because I. I, a few years ago when I was doing the rudder ride up, uh, there would be a few times where I was like, there's no one worth streaming today. But I've got a streaming section, right? And so I started putting none when I, I thought none was the right answer. And I got a lot of pushback. People were like, well, you, you should be recommending somebody. I was like, well, I'll set up a high risk section. And so like, sure. it's pretty much anybody with a pulse that like could like luck into a win or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think this is, this kind of begs like a conversation about the process in streaming pitchers, because Mm -hmm. I think especially this year, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, innings limits, and it's going to be harder to get innings. Um, And so people are wanting to stream more frequently. I don't want those innings. Well, that's the thing. Like, if there's less innings, you can't afford to take blowups like these and yeah. it, it needs to be a better process of identifying, you know, the, especially two start pitchers because, you know, one, you could have a really bad start one, or you could have two really bad starts and that really hurts. I mean, if he goes mm-hmm. out and pitches a dud this weekend, uh, the people who streamed him are going to be putting themselves really, really far behind early. They, they got, uh, it's going to take weeks to, mm-hmm. to counterbalance if he doesn't rebound at Arizona. Let me be a little bit more friendly here because I'm, I'm definitely kind of pointing and laughing because I didn't have him and I, I make plenty of mistakes. So who am I? Yeah. Um, he had, he had faced Houston and the Dodgers in his previous two starts. Austin Gomber did and handled both, including Houston at home. Okay. So you see those two performances and it helps you kind of forget the fact that, he walked four against the Giants, even though he performed well. It was four walks against five strikeouts. And then the seven-walk nightmare against the Dodgers on April 4th. So you, you have two, two great, two awful. He's on the road for two. And I will say these prices are pretty fair, too. The highest anybody paid in a main event that picked him up this week was $75. 
So that's still that's, close to one tenth of your yearly fab. I know. I thought there were more. Tri- I thought there were triple digit bids coming in. Uh, uh, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna peel back a little bit on my pointing and laughing. It's still I not. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to. 17. I don't think we need to point and laugh, but I do think this is kind of a reminder that like just because a guy has a two start that makes him inherently more valuable than other pitchers. Um, I mean, we do operate like that though too. Yeah, we definitely, yeah, and that, that's just a bad process. Uh, you know, he's, I mean, if, if you, if you are identifying a good pitcher or maybe an underrated pitcher with two starts and that's okay. Uh, you know, I see something in this guy's profile, you know, that is the reason why he shouldn't be on the waiver wire anyways. And he has a two start. Okay. Then I think it's a good process, but just going, oh, this guy has a two-start. Oh, he's not in Colorado, which means he should automatically be better. No, he's he's a mediocre or below-average pitcher, mm-hmm. and he had a two-start away from Colorado. Like, that doesn't make him a good play. No, I, I think that that's fair. And, I, you know, it's also kind of like when you're analyzing and you see that, yes, he did have the, the, the two great starts, and I don't, I don't know how to work this properly. Again, I'm, I'm dealing with the answer key, so it's easy for me to say. But then, do you think like, okay, well, his run hot, it's probably good. Because like, do we really think Austin Gomber's good, right? Like, how many good starts does he have in a given season? Ten out yeah, of thirty, maybe. And so, you probably know, closer to seven or eight. Yeah, and trying to pick those seven or eight when. He's on, and well, there is something about. Uh, there's been studies about you know guys who are running hot have a higher propensity to stay hot. I I hadn't seen that you know he had been that good against Houston and LA. I guess I get it a little bit more, but man, the, the skills just weren't there, and I I couldn't I couldn't even put a cursory bit on him. I I saw he was a two start and everything, and I saw him in in uh, you know uh, waiver articles and whatnot, and mm-hmm. I was just like. I don't know. I, I I can't really do it. I just don't trust Colorado pitchers even when they're not at home. Unless it's somebody like Herman Marquez, who is a legit stud yeah. on the road. He has legit stud talent. So that's kind of where I was uh, with it. Yeah, I don't want to point and laugh. I make plenty of stupid mistakes. So uh, I'm not I'm not here to say, like, ah, you definitely should have seen him getting killed. I just hope that the expectations weren't sky high. And uh, he can't really make it up this weekend, right? Like that. Even a shutout wouldn't necessarily make the week. No, right? no. I mean, you still have. I mean, if he if yeah. he throws a complete game shutout, then yeah, I guess it helps quite. A I don't. Bit, I don't but... even know if that would work. Like that would still be pretty bad though. That'd be nine runs and ten and two thirds. That's a seven fifty seven ERA. So he literally cannot fix it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you still want a good start this weekend from Austin Gomber in Arizona, but he can't actually fix the week. That was just too bad of an outing. I mean, it's at. St. Louis, or no, no, it's uh, Arizona. at Arizona. Like, Arizona is one of those kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type teams, right? Like, True. they could come out and just swing and miss at everything, or uh, they could put up 10. So, it's, you know, if, you know, a lot of people who play in weekly formats uh, or on FBC, like, they're stuck with it, right? So, like, yeah. every every person who started him in a main event... They're stuck with it, but if you're in a daily moves league, I I probably would have stay away from in Arizona start this weekend. Jeff's comment on him in the uh, in the waiver pickups. Yes, it's two starts against the Giants and Rockies. He meant to put Diamondbacks, but is Austin Gomber being considered? 
the pitcher with a league leading 6.3 BB9. How could this two step go wrong? <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah. And the, the one thing I'll say again, I'll reiterate the folks that bought him, the price was not egregious. And so, um, at least, I mean, there were a couple triple digit bids in 12 teamers, and they were uh, like contested by single digit bids, which is really tough mm-hmm. when you pay triple digits for somebody in a 12 team. By the way, just as a tip, and this is really more talking to myself too, because I still mess this up every week. The difference between a 15 and 12 team bid is not just taking like a quarter of it off or a third. It's like having it or more. Like mm-hmm. the differences are, it's just insane. And I, I, I still have not figured out the the bidding between the two. I, I just, I don't know. I, I will, I will take the bid down, and I'll still be. 3x, 5x, whoever I was going up against in the 12 teamers. I, I don't understand. I'm going to be petitioning. So I'm, I'm going to petition um, the first pitch uh, forums to make Vlad do a fab set. Please. Like it just... And really focus on the 12 and the difference between 15 and 12 team bidding because that's really, I I, I got to say, learning under the, the guidance of Dusty, Dusty Wagner. I feel like I'm pretty good at 15 team bids. In fact, he's actually been, he'll send me some names. Like, what would you bid on these guys here? And I'm like, Oh, I got to get these. Cause I know he's got these numbers in mind. And I send my numbers always like, yo, that's pretty close. So I feel like I've got 15 team cadence down 12 team. I have no clue, dude. I put, uh, I think I put like 55 or $60 on Tyler O'Neill next bid $4. Yeah. Like, what? I, I why 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 was it only four? Oh, sixty nine is what I put. Nice. And my <laughs> and the secondary bid was three. Yep. Now sixty nine was probably too high because I think that's I think he was going, but I thought he was you know triple digits in fifteen teamers. Well, so I, I mean he's also a bad bit. baseball player, so that's part of the problem. I mean, yeah, but he had hit two homers on Sunday as well. Yeah, but and he's a power speed guy, so I'm not really concerned. Like power sw- speed, strikeouts, all the yes, things you want. Uh, worry less about the performance of Tyler, like you can name anybody like well, it doesn't matter like it, name a guy you like and then compare them from 15 to 12 and i it's hard to figure out the 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 right bidding structure there like i, I bet adolis garcia you know triple digits in a bunch of these 15 team leagues and then people put the same triple digit bids in 12 teams and look at all these look at all these separations here 317 to 121 301 91 um so these are all bids that are at least over 220, and the secondary bids are 41, 84, 81, 51. Like, nobody knows how to bid in 12-teamers. That, that's my point. <laughs> nobody does. Maybe Vlad does, and he can help us. Anyway, let's move on. Anthony uh, Austin Gomber, good luck with that. Um, Michael Kopech had a big outing on Sunday, five innings in the rotation, his second start. He went three the first time, obviously kind of working him into it. But a, but a great outing here uh, against Texas on Sunday is Michael Kopech as a starter a thing? Oh, I mean, I want him to be a thing. Um, but what happens when Lance... You believe in him as such. I would believe in him if he was staying in the rotation. Correct. And you just brought up why he might not. Yeah, and once Lance ahead. Lynn comes back. Which is later this week. Can he not maybe push this uh, Lucas guy Guy Ileto, he was really, really bad at a start. <laughs> yeah, that guy was yeah. really, he has a yeah. 579 ERA. So, can he not go over this Lucas guy? 
I mean, I, I don't know. For anybody that doesn't get it, it's a stupid <laughs> yes, joke. Yeah, Lucas Chilito. Chilito. But, um, but what about Cease, though, for real? I think jokes aside. I think Cease. Well, I, I do think he's better at Cease, and I think Cease um, probably, I mean, the way he's been pitching, he hasn't gone five innings yet this season. So He should Cease walking players at some point. Yes, that would be. I mean, he's been very consistent, three walks in every game. That's true, literally season. every single game. And he hasn't made it five innings in any of them, so the walk rate's through the roof. Austin Gomer's like, hey, that, that can definitely work. Um, yeah, I think maybe Cease so, ends up in the bullpen at some point. I don't know if it's right away. Um, yeah, I think so you're I think, saying – Lynn comes back this week, Kopech goes back out, and then Cease maybe gets another two, three starts, and if he continues to falter, mm-hmm. then we see Kopech come back in? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is probably going to happen. I mean, Larusa is an old-school manager, and he's just going to go with his guy. Um, and so that may mean Kopech goes back into but the bullpen. Kopech's his guy, though? Yeah, man, I hope he is. <laughs> I really that's do. Cool. Um, so, I mean, either way, you just you want to have Kopech on your team. I mean, Let me ask you this. If he leaves the rotation this week, as we expect, and he gets mass dropped, are you going to go for absolutely. him? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, trying to get him on the cheap, right? Oh, I don't care if it's the cheap or the expensive. I'm going to go get him. Well, I, I, well, it, it would depend on what happened in the following week, right? Because then yeah. we're talking, you have to wait a whole other week in your weekly leagues if he gets cut this Sunday because people are like, ah, he's not starting anymore. Let me move on. Then we have to wait a whole other week. Do not do that, by the way. If you have Michael Kopech and no, he gets put, yeah, I mean, because he will have value as a bulk and guy in the bullpen as Agreed. well. So like he should he should be rostered in every single every single format, every single league. Um, and if some reason, because we, what we've seen this year is people being overly reactionary, and I don't know if it's just early season numbers that freak people out or early season moves that freak people out, or if it's a little bit of a carryover of 2020, but people are being some carryover. Definitely. People are being extremely reactionary this year. And so Kopech will get dropped if he is moved back into the bullpen. Um, And that it would be a huge mistake for people. Uh, I mean, he, he's got a 46 and a half percent strikeout rate, a 54% ground ball rate. His walk rate is 7% right now. Uh, I mean, he, he looks absolutely uh, electric uh, on the mound. They're letting him go in games. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he threw five innings in this start against Texas. Now it's against Texas and Texas is, maybe not good yeah <laughs> one of the worst sorry colin um yeah teams uh out there but uh like the fact that they let him go that deep uh even you know just because he you know he didn't pitch at all last year and he had only gone three innings at most in in uh in appearance so far this year was very very uh impressive and uh, reassuring that the White Sox feel comfortable letting him go yeah. a little bit deeper, and he's just going to build up arm strength. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's the real deal. Yeah, I'm with you on Kopech as far as you know that that talent there, and then what you mentioned about him having value even if he's not starting. Prior to the to the um, first start when he went three innings, he had had seven and two thirds innings, allowing just one run, two hits, three walks, thirteen strikeouts, and he had stolen a win too. Um, in, in his first outing, he got a win. So, you know, he's going to be in those high leverage situations to maybe steal some dubs. 
uh, maybe even sneak a save if uh, if Hendricks is tired in a, on a day and he pitches the eighth. They'll say, ah, go out for the ninth. Too. You know, that, that could happen. I'm, just, I'm not saying that that necessarily will. He usually pitches more in the middle innings, but he could even set, steal some saves or wins for you when he's relieving. So I'm with you. Do not cut Kopech after Lynn returns and he gets pushed back to the bullpen because that could be short-lived and he could be right back in the rotation Easy to root for, too, because he, he's so fun to watch, and, and he, he's just awesome. Speaking of easy to root for, another amazing two-way game for Shohei Otani. This is so great. This is exactly what we wanted. Goes two for three with three runs, two ribbies, and a walk, batting second, and throws five innings, three hits, two walks, four runs, nine strikeouts, um, including a homer to Nate Lowe. Uh, it was three-run homer, so that did most of the damage there. But he gets the win. I mean, now, obviously, there's almost no leagues where you get all of this, unfortunately, <laughs> except I got it all in Tout Wars because I rostered both separate players. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, if you're playing in a league where it counts him as one player and you somehow get both, good on your league. I hope he was the first-round pick then. But he's just so amazing. I will ask you this, though, right? I mentioned four runs in five innings. Uh, didn't walk the yard, thankfully, even though it's something he's been doing. At this point, though, are you ever starting him as a pitcher? No. Right? No. Um, like, I haven't done it once, except in uh, Tout, like I said, where he had, I have both assets. Um, so I, I, it doesn't cost me the hitting to start him as a pitcher. Yeah, no, I'm never starting him as a pitcher. I mean, unless I get to a point in which my offense is so far ahead that it doesn't make any sense to not just roll him out as a pitcher or my pitching needs, you know, drastic help because I do think – you know, I mean, he's got a what a three twenty nine ERA right now. Like, I feel like he could post that rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it won't come with huge amount of innings. Like, I think he's he's probably a guy that's only going to get to like 120, 130 innings this year. But, um, like, yeah, I mean, I think you have to start him as a hitter, and then uh, you kind of adjust as your team needs kind of fit. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was always like, I was drafting him. And I, and I was like, I'm getting a premium hitter. I'll, I'll see where the pitching's at. And that's why I was so interested in Otani was because I had the the protection of of the hitting. And it has paid mm-hmm. off. You know, the walks have been through the roof with 13 and 13 and two-thirds. That's why I point out that he only walked two yesterday, which is good. Again, taking, you know, picking on Texas a little bit. Um, the ERA, like you said, though, has been awesome. So it's been kind of that weird thing. It's like people talk about, about his pitching struggles. And then you look at his ERA and you say, well, he's not not that bad. Sure, he has survived not giving up too many runs, but it's a 139 whip. Yeah, I don't, I don't want that ERA in 13 and two thirds that badly that I would forego the hitting because he mm-hmm. leads baseball. He's tied for the lead in baseball with seven homers. Yeah, and, and has three stolen bases and a 300 average and a 1016 OPS. He's a god and, and so, 35 yeah. runs plus RBIs. That's, I mean, that, that it's bananas because that's the beauty too is that even when he pitches, they're batting him and they're batting him second. Yeah, and so he's still staying there. And now Anthony him. Rendon is back, so I mean, this Angels team is is good. If it, if it, it really can stay is. healthy, it's it's going to be a playoff team. I really think that they can make a run. They're, they're sitting, they've been treading around five hundred right now. Rendon's back. Top half of their lineup is excellent. Um, it, it you know, and the two guys at the bottom, Iglesias and Suzuki. Um, Iglesias just field, right? Hit for a decent batting average and field. With Suzuki, 
I think he'll get back on track. We haven't seen his power yet, but his average and OBP are fine too. So I think even the bottom part of their lineup, they, they can be a good one to nine lineup uh, with quality defense, quality pitching, maybe add a piece in season. Uh, and they still have guys like uh, Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele in the minors too that, that can mm-hmm. eventually come up and, and make an no, impact. No, Marsh is hurt and Adele is swinging at things even when he's not you know, playing baseball. <laughs> I love Yo, Joe Adele. Like I, I, Joe, I, did I, you I, just swing your arm at something? I yeah. was trying to get a fly. Oh, of course you missed it. Yeah, he missed it. Yeah, no. Swung and miss at the fly. Mm-hmm. I do like Brandon Marshall a lot, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, he's hurt right now. He has a labor issue. So we'll have to see how everything goes with spring before those two are even on the radar. I just mm-hmm. want those are just our two best prospects. All right. So Jay Happ is your recommendation today in the Rotor write up or for tomorrow. Um, you give a guy for the day of and then one for tomorrow. Um, and you and you mentioned him at Cleveland, which I do like that start. He's been good. A comment that you made is what stood out to me, though. You said you don't love guys coming off of huge games, but he's your favorite guy along with, with Cobb. Why don't you like guys coming off of huge games? It's not so much that I don't love them, like, every time coming off huge games. I just – and this is purely, like, anecdotal, like, you know. I can't tell you how many times I've started a guy, like – you know, coming off of like a no-hitter. Yeah, come off of a great game. And then, like, especially if they've gone deeper into a game than, uh, you know, than they traditionally do, and then mm-hmm. they just look tired. Or they, you know, um, and it, it just Musgrove. always feels like, a, yeah, a trap. And, I mean, I'm sure there is, like, uh, data out there that probably disproves that feeling. <laughs> but I yes. just, I have it. And, like, it's... I, I... I kind of mentioned it earlier about mm-hmm. how the data suggests that a guy that's that's rolling, you know, there there is something about being on a on a streak with with a pitcher, and yeah. so it stood out to me with Hap specifically because he's been pretty good. Yes, th- and this year, I mean, and we're talking about a lefty, right? Um, that is going up against Cleveland, which has been like the second worst team in the league against left-handed pitching. So, I mean, that's why, like, I go, okay, I'm willing to roll the dice with Hap again, uh, but I could also see it just blowing up in my face. I, I think you're going to be good on that one. I like Hap. Um, you know, we talk about all the time about how uh, fantasy baseball has a little ageism issue. And so a 38-year-old uh, Jay Hap doesn't really draw people in about like, oh, let's roster him. And I will say his core skills have not been strong because the strikeouts aren't there right now. So it's 10 strikeouts, six walks in his 16 innings. But he does have a, a nice, very nice 169 ERA in those 16 innings. Obviously, we do not expect that sort of level to continue, nor the 8.88 whip. Do you think his 6% swinging strike rate is going to lead to more um, strikeouts? I think that, yeah. I think he's getting 10 punchies off of that this, <laughs> against Cleveland. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, you know, And that's the interesting thing is, is in that late career, he started to get more strikeouts. He put up a double-digit mark mm-hmm. for four out of five years, and then the other year was 9.4, so it was right there in 2017. So to be down at 6% this year, I wonder what's going on, if that's a small sample blip. He's or... pitching to a ton of contact right now. Has uh, he changed his arsenal in, in an appreciable way that, that also backs that up? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I, I would have to do a little bit more digging, but... Um, not not that I mean he stopped throwing the change up. Um he's throwing a splitty now, which I think yeah. kind of took over for the change up last year. I don't know if it was like going from circle change to split finger or what. Maybe he learned it 
front. Well, never mind. No, Jake Odorizzi wasn't. Uh, I, he wasn't with Minnesota last year. I was going to say maybe he learned it from Odorizzi in Minnesota. I mean, his changeup's been kind of his worst pitch for years. So. For sure. He's always been fastball slider. Uh, so but, we'll, I mean, we'll he's given that. up, like, I mean, he's got, like, I want to, let's see, uh, 89% zone contact percentage right now. Uh, but what he, I mean, it's not been hard contact. It's been a lot of medium and soft contact, and he's got a very good defense behind him now Correct in Minnesota. And so it may be a little bit of game plan. Like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to live in the zone a little bit more. I'm going to let them in contact. Cause I trust my defense behind me. I could see it going terribly wrong all of a sudden. Sure. I, I like him for the Cleveland start for sure. And it was less about happen more about the comment mm-hmm. on, uh, on, you know, trusting guys off of hot starts, but I feel you here. These skills are not, unimpeachable so if yeah. he does do well against cleveland uh, you're still going start to start with hap even if you are riding this train right now and his next start will be one moment it'll be a two-step next week texas and detroit which is fantastic oh yeah because so, detroit's the worst team in the league against left-handed we're so bad we're, we're so unbelievably bad like we're, we're worse against everybody like start and and we already have made fun of texas a bunch so that's a perfect two-step so if you do have hap i would hold after this start but again then you see how he goes after t- Texas and Detroit, and then you go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's like a, a set it in and forget it for the rest of the year. No, by absolutely stretch, not. Yeah. Especially with this swing strike rate. Um, continuing, Monday night, I got to be honest dude. This is how big of an, a nerd I am about baseball. The entire day, I was legitimately giddy, <laughs> like a kid waiting for Christmas for the Trevor Rogers-Corbin Burns matchup. I, I was seriously like planning my day. I went, oh, man, got to get this done, got to get this done because I got to be ready, and I don't want to have anything that I have to do to take my attention away from that. And thankfully, I was ready, and boy, did it not disappoint. That matchup was awesome. Trevor Rogers-Corbin Burns. Now, it's an 8 nothing game. You're like, how was that any good? And yeah, Rod, uh, Burns did end up giving five uh, up, four of them earned. And yet it still lived up to the hype mm-hmm. to me because of how well he pitched through the five innings. Four of those runs came in the sixth. They'd unraveled a little bit for Burns there. But it was really like, it was really knickknack hits. Uh, there were a few doubles in there, but it was nothing that was really like punishing. So they were still going toe to toe for five. Uh, Rogers finished off his sixth very well. Meanwhile, Burns did not get out of the sixth. And I don't know if Rasmussen allowed any of those that eventually got charged to Burns. I would have to check the game log on that. But I thought they, they both panned out very well. Let's talk about the guy who who won first, though, and put Burns off to the side for just a moment. This is one day where he's not the uh, the, the shining the, the shining bastion here. Rodgers, six scoreless, six hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. I think we did a, a, a temperature check recently where I said, where are you moving him to? I got to ask again because he continues to dominate. You and I are both probably working – um, uh, on our pitcher ranks, or at least going to be mm-hmm. this week for the May release. Yeah, I'll, I'll be doing mine this weekend. So, where are you thinking that Trevor Rogers is going to go? He's going to go really high. Um, top top fifty for yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. Top top forty, probably. Top thirty five, close. So then, maybe top thirty. Top top between twenty five and thirty five. No, probably not. Yeah, between probably 30 and 35, probably between 30, 35 or 30 and 40. And I want to give ranges because until we actually see all the names in front of us and everything, it's hard to mental for me, at least to say, yeah, it's like oh, I'm know, trying he's... to click off like how many people are injured, like how many exactly. have just been extremely disappointing. 
Where's uh, Dustin May going to move up? You know, something. There's yeah. other guys that are going to rise with. Freddie Peralta is going to go up too. So I mean, yep. like we've got. It, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a I'm going to spend most of Saturday in Sunday night doing that. Um, yep. So but we'll both of them out next week and um, we'll try to get them up. Let's try to get them up on the Patreon first so that they have a little extra time there. Oh, I'm only putting on the Patreon. Oh, you're not putting them on the website. No, okay. I, I got too many articles a week already going get, up. Get, get smoked, Fangrassers. Yeah. You got to sign up for the Patreon. I'll leave mine on the Patreon then, too. So they'll be updated this weekend. Starting pitcher rankings. Um, I'm eager to get into yeah. it, to be honest, because I can't wait to, to restructure and see where everything is. But yeah, Trevor Rogers. Obviously, in all formats, must start type of guy. I, I will like caution, like level of competition a little bit. Like, okay, what's he got? He he, you know, went up against Milwaukee, which is without Yelich, especially, is one of the worst offenses in baseball right now. I mean, are, the, are you? Are, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I mean, you do this for a living, and yet you don't think Tyrone Taylor. Oh, Manny Pena batting two four is yeah. Is I mean, devastating it, to face. They're striking out at a twenty eight percent clip right now, bro. It's 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 so they're, bad. They have an eighty four wrc plus as an offense. It's Listen just... to this lineup. Listen to this lineup. Cole Wong, who's actually kicking ass since coming mm-hmm. back, he went three for four. He dominated. He had three of their eight hits. Tyrone Taylor, who actually is doing well. I make a tongue in cheek joke about him, but in a fill in role, he's been quite good. I think he only faces lefties, and he did go two for four. So again. He's filling his role. But then Avi Garcia, who I liked, and he's been terrible. Uh, Manny Pena, he is the backup catcher, so he was getting uh, Omar Narvaez a blow, who, again, is doing well, but even still, it doesn't change things. Keston Hira, god-awful. Billy McKinney, few homers, but that's really it. Luis Urias, awful. Pablo Reyes making his MLB uh, season debut. I don't think it's his, it's not his actual MLB debut, but it was his season debut. And then the pitcher spot. That's horrible. That's yeah. horrible. It, it, now, it's just atrocious. Is has his whole schedule been he, sus or just he, just that he out? Blanked Baltimore before that. Had put okay. up a good start at Atlanta. Um, you know, five innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, three walks. Um, so his I mean, early schedule was tough, right? Like, yeah, there were some good teams well, on the early part. St. Louis in, in for for his first one, and then he got the Mets coming off of all the COVID stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and the Mets still, haven't been very Mets, though, he, good you know. either. Um, so, like, I mean, do I think he? Do I think he's legit? Yes, I do think he's legit. Do I think Trevor Rogers is legit? Yeah. Yes, but do I think he is like a certified ace at this point? No, and so I'm at least I'm not ready to admit that. It's still you know we're still working off of five starts, um, yeah. four of which or three of which were against pretty bad lineups or, or struggling teams. So I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. And I, I think he is making moves in that direction. And I am to- like, this is my biggest whiff so far of the year. Like, well, yeah, he wasn't even on your list. Yeah. I, I mean, just ro- I, I roasted you for that though. I'm not going to, no, but I mean, I'm, I'll re-roast myself because this is just, I, sh- I mean, obviously I don't think anybody saw this coming, um, but I should have for yourself, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I had one, you I had him as your 40th starting pitcher. And yeah. And I had one twenty nine ERA uh-huh. five starts and I nailed it, dude. Yeah. Give me credit, bro. 35% strikeout rate. You really, yeah. Okay. I mean... No, no. <laughs> now I got to keep myself honest. I said 35.5% and oh. it's 34.9. So you overshot it. I know I'm disgusting. Yeah. I'm a pig. So, but no, obviously, yeah, your point here. Let me ask you though, would you trade him? 
yes. I think you can actually sell pretty dang high here. I mean, if your pitching is in really good shape, like, and you need to go get, like, some power, some speed. Uh, let, me, let me give you some names. If, okay. you, if, you, if, you, if you could, you know, obviously you have to be able to get them, but let mm-hmm. me ask you if, if you would do it. Um, I don't even know if you, this would have to marry perfectly. The other team would have to be pretty well equipped in steals because it's hard to give away steals guys but let's say they got other guys and then jazz chisholm his teammate is going off and he's like you know what i can afford to trade a power speed guy because i my offense is just off the charts i need hitting would you would you do a marlin for marlin jazz chisholm for trevor rogers no you would not take jazz you're saying no i, I, I would t- i would stick with rogers i i love jazz but there's they're gonna be struggles coming would you what about uh our boy nick solak no i want rogers Okay, uh, let me go higher then. What about a guy who's not quite performing yet, but has you know was a high round pick and has a lot of expectation carrying with him? Yohan Moncada. Yes. Yohan Moncada, now you hear? Shouts to uh, ITL. Um, you would you would trade yeah. Rodgers to get Moncada? Mm-hmm. I think that that's fair. What about a guy that you have not loved, but maybe you're seeing his value now after another strong start to the season? What about Alex Verdugo? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I might yeah. even, I might try to get a little throw-in piece with Verdugo. Maybe go a little two for two? Okay. Yeah, like maybe but try that... to buy low on a pitcher that you liked coming into the season that hasn't started well. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that is, I think that's fair, especially because Boston's offense is better than I think we expected it to be. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one thing that, we, you know, it, no matter how you felt about Boston, I, hopefully you felt you felt that their offense could be strong, and it has come out of the gates firing. JD is all the way back, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go another one. I'm going back down the draft board a little bit. Last one, uh, but he's been out of his mind, and it's never really been about talent with this guy. What about a hot for hot Jesse Winker for Trevor Rogers? No, I want Rogers um, because the the premium think- pitching is harder to get. Yeah, and I think playing time could become an issue at some point. Um, no, I mean, not anytime soon necessarily, but like if he cools down, he's been a platoon guy in the past. They have a lot of mouths to feed in that, uh, you know, especially with Naquin kind of you know coming onto the scene. You know, once Akiyama's back healthy, like they're gonna have to sit him at times. Uh, whereas Rogers, I just think could you know as long as he's healthy, could just continue to mow people down. I, I can agree about maybe not wanting to do it. I don't know if I agree with the reason, though. I think Winker plays every day, for the most part, gets a breather here and there against lefty. Even when Akiyama comes back, I think that that's three three for one there in the center field job. I think Winker, Castellanos hold those gigs in the corners and because Senzel's been awful. Yeah, um, I just think and, they love Senzel so much that they... At some point, though, he has to perform, and we'll see. Obviously, I'm not right. I was big on Senzel coming into the year. I'm not out after 67 plate appearances. In fact, I would go in and look to buy him um, because I do think that there you can already get the discount because he doesn't have enough of a track record mm-hmm. behind him to be like, oh, I, you know, I think you can get somebody to overreact to 67 plate appearances is what I'm trying to say with Senzel. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that you wouldn't do the Winker deal, but I think when he's playing this well – I don't know. Maybe he's yeah, going to get a. I, I mean, I, I wrote up Winker the other day in the Roto write up, and I was like, he's finally having the breakout. And they're like, people are like, you said the breakout before. It's like, no, this is like, this well, he's is out of his mind right now. Yeah. He was pretty great last year, though, too. 
and he's never he's literally never been bad. It's just health and, and then sitting against lefties. Yeah. And so um, but now he's not that. Yeah. And, and right now he's he's been great and we'll see how it goes. Um, so anyway, Corbin Burns, Trevor Rogers, they were great. Burns, for his part, still hasn't walked a guy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was a little bumpy there in, in the sixth. Oh, I forgot to check if uh, Rasmussen gave up any of those runs. Let me do that. Rasmussen comes in, and there was a – oh, yeah, somebody scored off a fielding error. I don't know. I doubt that went to – that must have been the unearned run that mm-hmm. went to him. But he gave up all his own runs. He it, he started the six, du- ground rule double, single, uh, Chisholm scored, single, double, Rojas scored, single, Aguilar scored. So he gave up those three runs there. Um, and then the other one was was via a, an unearned situation that Rasmus said. So he gave up those on his own. Still awesome, though. Still nine strikeouts in five innings. Um, probably not the team you expected to bump him up a little bit, the Marlins, because their offense is definitely not their strength. It's pitching for sure that has them near 500. Burns, uh, top 10 guy when you re- readjust? Yes, absolutely. Like top I- five? Probably not, but close. Like six or seven, yeah. I mean, I mean, he could. He could easily be five. Like, he could, you know. I mean, obviously, DeGrom, Cole aren't going anywhere. Um, yeah. I'm not sure Bieber would have to yeah, go anywhere. Be, yeah, Bieber. Bieber's not going anywhere either. So, he only has two spots, like four or five. And for me, I had Scherzer up there, and he's not going anywhere. So, mm-hmm. it might be tough for me to get Burns there, but he's top eight. Yeah, and, and, I, and I had Woodruff. In as my four, um, and he he's not and going he's anywhere. Not going anywhere. So like, it's definitely he's definitely like top seven or eight. Um, so but uh, now here's an interesting thing because just a quick question on Woodruff versus Burns mm-hmm. because Woodruff has been amazing as well, and he's being overshadowed by Burns. Uh, I will say that yesterday's ERA for Burns brings their ERAs much closer. They're literally point zero two away now. Um, which I guess renders this question useless because when <laughs> when Burns had like the the you know 0.5 ERA, I was gonna say, well, do you put Burns above Woodruff based on the short term, uh, or you keep you're keeping Woodruff where he is because you had him up there, he has done nothing to lose that spot, yeah. so Burns hasn't really bypassed him, but you're gonna get Burns right by him. Is that is that what we're gonna? Yeah, see? pretty much. I, I mean, I had him four, I had Burns, I think thirteen or fourteen, um, and. Yeah, I'll move Burns up, but he's not going to quite leapfrog Woodruff. I love Woodruff. And, and you know, I talk about him getting overshadowed, and then Peralta's getting even more overshadowed uh, by those two because, yeah, people like him, and they're talking about I'm not saying nobody's talking about him, but the Burns is just taking all the oxygen, uh, and those two are, are pitching just as well. I mean, they've been out of their yeah, minds. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, this is a conversation you and I have had off air about a different – Kind of completely different player, um, but I really backed off of Burns because of how many people in the industry were like laughing at those of us who are pushing him up, um, and I wish I hadn't. Like, oh, you, you appealed to authority, I, mm-hmm. and I talked about how I did too, and yeah, we won't say the player that I did on, and I was yeah. like, dang it, just stick with your own thing and it happens sometimes right yeah like, we're not immune to that and i i'm i'm glad that we're sharing that because i want people to know that hey if you do that you're not the there's, only one it there's happens. a few guys this year 
Um, and I mean, obviously things could change and, you know, Gordon Burns could, you know, regrets, you know, Jose Brios is another guy that I was really, really high on. And I started kind of not necessarily pushing him down, but jumping other people up over him. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is different. It is it has the same effect. Mm-hmm. But I hear you on that. You're you're you weren't negative on Barrios, but you were saying let me let me leapfrog this guy. Let me leapfrog yeah. this guy. And that's and that what I did with thing. Burns too, because like I had Burns above Luis Castillo at one point. Like I had mm-hmm. like I had Burns like in my top eight or nine starters, um, and because of where he was going in drafts and you know people were like letting him drop, you know. Uh, to the fourth, fifth rounds, like I started, part of it was I, I, you know, I paid too much attention to the ADP. uh, And then part of it was, uh, you know, just, oh, maybe I shouldn't be jumping him over these more established guys. Uh, And it was, it was a bad process on my part. And uh, I wish I hadn't done it because I got a lot of early shares of both Burns and Brios and uh, and <laughs> I did not get a lot of later shares, which of course are my more expensive and you know important links. Of course, and that that is always fun when 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 <laughs> when it plays yeah, out like that. when when but like hey, all my NFBC fifty teams are just you know in first place and crushing it, and my main event teams are in like seventh and eighth and could be crushing it had I made a better decision. But at least you're you're assessing yourself, mm-hmm. assessing and understanding you know, where, where things are, um, I think that's important to do. And, yeah. um, if you never challenge your own rankings and, and challenge your own thought processes, then I think obviously you're doing it. And wrong. I think but, it, uh, it's good to mention, and I wanted to mention it because I think often other people in the industry, other people, regular players, like they, they do a lot of research and, but then they do appeal to authority because, uh, there's this idea that, oh, maybe I'm missing something or maybe someone sees this a little bit better than me. And you have to remember, at least for your own team, you are the authority. Yes. And and you can't, you know, you can't shirk that that responsibility when your league is in ninth place. The, yeah. They're not the, the the authority that you listen to is not paying your entry fee, yep. whether that's us or somebody else in the industry. So you got to go with with how you feel. And I really you know, whether it's almost whether they succeed or not, I guess, to a degree, I respect people who, who stick to their guns on guys and they can really just say, I pay attention to all the information. I mm-hmm. understand where ADP is, but I go get my guy there. Um, the one that gets brought up a lot, and I don't know if he won it this year or not, but it was when, uh, Lindy Hinkleman took, uh, George Springer in like the first round mm-hmm. and he was like a second, third round kind of guy. And everyone's like, Oh no, what, what was that? It's like, Hey, that's where he had him. That's where he thought was his best opportunity to get him. And that's just a one-off anecdote. But it, it's a difficult thing to do, to just stay firm on your thing when you see everybody else go in a different way. And I think that happened with probably some people on their Burns ranking. Others, they stuck to their guns yeah. completely. They had him ranked top 10 and, and good on them because he's been amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Austin Nola could return as early as Tuesday. They're, they're saying that there's a, it's a little vague right now, but they're saying it's a realistic shot that Austin Nola returns during this, this series here that they're starting, I believe against the diamondbacks. Is that correct? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could return as early as the diamondbacks series. It's only a two game set. So it's today and uh, it's when, Tuesday and Wednesday against the diamondbacks. Um, Austin Nola returning. I'm curious more so. I'll, I'll talk about Nolan in a second, but I want to talk about who he's going to displace. Victor Caratini's been doing his thing. He's been a pretty darn good fill-in. 
Do you think that they play more of like a 50-50 share when this happens? Or does Noah come back and kind of overtake that on like a 70-30 type of deal? I think it's going to be like a 60-40. Okay, um, Caratini not quite as good as I thought. Pardon me. Pardon me. But I, he's, I, a, he's a really good catcher. Yes, he is. He is. And Nola is fine, but not exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I, but I, I think I was re- reacting because <laughs> – sorry, a little uh, um, team bias there. I had recently picked up Caratini to fill in, and uh, the, the week that I've had him, he's hit 333. Not that I thought that that was his season average, but he was hitting 167 to that point. So um, not, not quite as good, but your point about the catching – He's probably going to be at least somebody's personal catch. Am I wrong in thinking that? Isn't he like uh, Darvish? Darvish is. Dar- oh, that's why he came. Yeah, yeah. Hello. There's the obvious link there. Yeah. So you think it's be 60-40 type of deal? Yeah, I think he's probably going to probably be continue to be the personal catcher of Darvish, and then he'll pick up another you know start every five days in the rotation somewhere. So uh, you know, and I don't know if it'll be a set guy for the second guy, but I, I'm I I would feel pretty confident to say that. He will be Darvish's personal catcher. They've got a history. Darvish really likes him. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, without a DH in the National League, like, I love Austin Nola, uh, but he's going to find a hard time, like, accumulating the necessary stats to be a real difference maker um, in the way that he was last year. Correct. I think at catcher, it helps, though, because obviously you don't need as much volume. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, he can play other spots. And mm-hmm. obviously they're good right now. They're they're to where they have surplus with Kim and Mateo on the bench. But as things happen, I think that that could open up some avenues for Nola, which in turn would open up some avenues for Caratini as well. So I think Caratini still has some C two viability, um, and Nola should be picked up in the leagues where he. I think one catcher, ten team, twelve team, Nola has a good chance to be on the on the wire. So go look there. I, I would I would go out and pick him up. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely go pick him up if, if he's out there. Uh, yeah, one so, one catcher leagues is the only. I, I'm in a predicament because I drafted him in the Barf League and then picked up Wilson Ramos, who's been incredible. Yeah. So I am. I, I just don't know that anybody's going to trade for a second catcher. Yeah, that's that's the that's the tough part. Uh, is it a one catcher? It's league? a one. Yeah, it's a one catcher format. Yeah. So. It, because everyone says that when you have two good catchers in a one catcher league, they say just trade one. It's so hard because how many teams is that league? Fifteen. So I, I mean, mean, even with it being fifteen, though, it's like the sixteenth catcher. It's it's not it's just not that bad. Do I want to give up assets or do I just want to play the wire all year? Yeah, I probably just want to play the wire instead of trade. Unless you're going to trade me Ramos. Um, but even then, I don't know if I want to buy high on Ramos, even though I was yeah, super especially because it's on base percentage here. and he's got like a 260 OBP. <laughs> well, and he's so slow too because he used yeah. to be a batting average asset. I think he's going to lose some of those hits the way we see Pujols, uh, where they can hit it like deep in the hole at short and they can still get him out because they're so slow. Or even those shorty short ones to right where they get thrown out at first base. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't happen a ton, but I can see that happening and cutting into Ramos as well. So yeah. Pick up Nola in the shower leagues where he's available. Um, Caratini, C2, NL only, 15-teamer. I think you can hang on to him for a while and see how it plays out. Yeah. All right, last topic we're going to talk about here, a little bit of a deeper one. It's easy to meme on the Yankees if you're not a Yankees fan. It's fun to hate on them. I'm, I'm enjoying that they're 9-13. and 13. That's hilarious to me. Uh, but I don't truly believe they're a bad team, right? Uh, they, I think they still have too much talent. 
I think we talked about coming into the season that their rotation was sketchy uh, behind Cole. And we like to tie on and Kluber. And, but one of them, you know, is like, okay, well, I think one of them will be great and one of them will be mediocre. So far, neither of them have been anything worthwhile. They're not getting any good pitching outside of Cole uh, and, and bullpen pieces. Their hitting, though, has been atrocious. And that's who I want to focus on are these these hitters that are struggling and ask what your concern level is. I don't know that – I think the first three are firmly not cuts in any format, so we're not even going to ask that question. Um, but then the last three, I think, in some of your shallower leagues, might be cut in time. So let's start with DJ LeMayhew. 250, 333, 338 is his slash line right now. Do you have any concern that uh, – that we're going to get, catch a down season from him, or is this simply a cold streak to start that is being exacerbated by the fact that the entire team looks like trash, and that way we're overblowing um, his individual struggles? How do you feel about LeMahieu twenty games in? Yeah, I'm not super worried about LeMahieu. I mean, a little bit low BABIP for a guy who's got a career 3.45 BABIP running at 3.02, so I think the average will come up. Um, yeah, maybe the power isn't as prodigious as it has been the last two seasons, but I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I really don't have really any worries on DJ LeMayo at all. I think of of the six guys we're about to talk about, he's the one where I feel the most confident is going to be fine. And that's why he's listed first, because I yeah. couldn't agree more, and I would definitely go out into the market and yeah. see if anybody's dropping any concern uh, because if I get a shred of a discount on LeMayhew, I'm taking it. Um, you know, still triple eligible. Like you said, the power hasn't come through yet. But I bet, I bet over the course of the last 195 games, which is what he has with the Yankees coming into this year, we can find a 20-game run like this. He, I mean, he's just missing balls. I mean, he's got a yeah. 21.5% infield fly ball percentage. Which, that's a, that's a great call. That means a, a pop-up like that. You're just missing. Yeah. I mean, he's still – zone contact percentage is 90%. Um, you know, his hard hit percentage is right in line where it was last year. Like, I, th- I think he's going to be fine. Like, yes, if, if someone in your league is getting frustrated um, because their batting average sucks and they, they see only one home run, like, yeah, I, I would definitely try to go buy low. I don't know if you can. He, I mean, triple eligible players. I don't know if players. you can either. It, it, it yeah. depends how bought in they are, right? You, you never know, right? Were they the LeMahieu guy or girl, or were they um, were they? You kind didn't of end like, up with LeMahieu without being a LeMahieu guy or girl. Like, it I, just... I disagree. I think you can. I think you could have. I, I don't know that you had to be aggressive on him. Otherwise, you could just be following the ADP and be like, ah, he's the next best guy. I, I like him. Yeah, just but you fine. still used a second or third round pick on him. Like, so I mean, I like. Know. Like, there were plenty of other talent. I think it's harder this right now because there's so many injuries to offensive players mm-hmm. to yeah, buy low on a, on a on a big offensive guy. Um, Just knock on the door. Just knock yeah. on the door. See where they're at, you know? They might they might be like, nah, I'm holding firm. So you either pay market or you, or you bounce. I don't know that I wouldn't pay market, though. Because I yeah. feel like I'm going to get the, the, the good end of, of LeMahieu the whole way. I might I might still pay pretty close to top dollars. So I'm 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 checking. Do you think I'm you checking. could trade Trevor Rogers for DJ LeMayo? I think you'd have to do a two for two with that with those two being kind of the centerpieces, and then mm-hmm. you give 
you give like a decent hitter for a de- you know lesser pitcher type of deal. Yeah, like a two for two type of deal that I'd be interested in doing. Yeah, I don't I don't think one to one it would work, um, because he, he just he doesn't have name cachet that goes with it, and that stuff plays. I know it shouldn't. You should just look it, at the yeah, talent. But yeah, it does. But it, it does plays. mean something in in a lot of leagues. Yeah, it plays. So. Just knock on the door. I think Justin's mostly right that a lot of people aren't, aren't going to be trying to just get rid of him completely. But you can find those scenarios where somebody's looking to move on. Uh, Glaber Torres, 208, 315, 234. Nary a home run on his ledger. Um, even LeMay, who has one, he does not. What's going on with Glaber? He's been brutal. Any major concerns on the slow start of Glaber Torres? A little bit. Just because he was so bad last year, too. Um, yeah, it's quite media, like especially power wise. Only three homers yeah. in the forty-two games, uh, which was a three sixty-eight slug. And I mentioned again, zero homers so far. So the power outage is now sixty-three games long. I think that's a good point to bring up, and that can add to the concern that a normal twenty-one game run might not. Yeah, and he's just not hitting the ball hard. Like that's. Like, the difference between his 2021 so far and his 2019 when we saw that huge power uh, gain, uh, and really in 2018 where we saw, you know, power gains, like, he's at a 15% hard hit percentage. Oh, my goodness. And that's, isn't, like, everybody's hard hit up this year because of the ball with the exit velo and everything? So, he, that's really tough, dude. Yeah, I'm really worried on Torres. Um, And I'm... He was one of those guys where I was like, I, in draft season, I felt like he was, like, the hate had maybe gone a bit too far, but, mm-hmm. ooh, man. Turns out it hasn't gone far. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have a huge read on him, like, a huge feel on him in draft season. He's somebody I would have taken if, if, if it had just kind of fit, but I think I was always taking other guys around him, so I avoided uh, Glaber, but I cannot pretend that I had any grave concerns. I wonder if there's an injury going on here or something that we're right? just... Like, it, it feels... For a 24-year-old to, like, have this drastic of a turn feels so weird. Um, especially a guy who was, you know, considered one of the best prospects in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think this would be the point he's really starting to like you know hit his ceiling in terms of his production not you know at a low point like i do wonder if there's something going on there um but yeah like this is not a situation i would buy low in right now okay so you would not trade trevor rogers for him i would not i don't think i would either and you talk about name value like obviously you know glabers is much much higher let me ask you if do you look at anything like because um, his 19 was really good, but it was propped up by the 15, 12 OPS and 13 homers against Baltimore. I know we meme on that and it's, you know, they, they're his worst enemy or what, or he's their worst enemy. Um, but that's a that's a big chunkier production against one team. Obviously, he still plays that team. They're playing them right now. Um, and everyone's talking about him maybe getting loose against them. It's not like it was the only team he was good against, but it was such a stark uh, part of his production that year. Do you look at that at all and say, and then if you not take it out, but isolate that the rest of his season, wasn't that good. And then you add on these 63 games. Does the fact that so much of his 2019 production came against one team 
have any impact for you, or does it just all count the same and we're making too much of it? I think it all counts the same. Baltimore. Yeah, no, okay. I think it, I think it all counts the same. Okay, like, so we're, we're, we're going to get to face bad. Yeah, he's going to just yeah. face bad teams with bad pitching in the East or just in general. Uh, That's fair. I just had to ask. But, I, I, just, I just want to see where you're at with it because it does get talked about so much about how much he, he killed them. And he, he, did. he has one game this season with more than one hit. That's it. He's he, one he, multi-hit game. Yeah, that's it. Like he went he went three for three for five against Cleveland and he has not had more than one hit in a in an individual game this season. Something oh is wrong. And I I have not watched enough of him yet to like sit down and go, okay, you know, maybe it's like a swing by, you know, a side-by-side swing comparison from 2019 yeah. to this is what needs to happen. Um but yeah, I'm I'm very concerned. Is um is Eno back at the ballpark yet? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if he's interviewing players. Even if he is, he might just be in the press box. But I, I, I'm legitimately looking to see when the Yankees go out west because I he seems to get these injury tidbits out of guys, and I wonder if uh, when they go to Oakland or San Francisco, if they even play intermural. Uh, I almost said interleague. <laughs> Uh, they don't go out until late August. Maybe by then, things restrictions will be loosened, everyone will be vaxxed, and he can get in there. Now, of course, that'll be several months of production, and things could be completely different. But I do wonder if Glaber Torres has a nagging thing that he's playing through because a guy, a lot of guys do play through stuff. Yeah. Because if they're not like he was average last year, 106 WRC plus, so that's like, hey, I'm still giving a little something. His walk rate has gone way up too, 14 percent. Mm-hmm. In these 63 games, he never walked that much. It would fit a narrative. Now, it's a narrative that we're going off of speculation that if he's hurt, though, he becomes a bit more passive. I can get on base via the walk. I can at least be doing something. I think you might be onto something here, Justin. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I if you look at his swing percentage from 2019, it was at 52.2%. Last year, it was at 42%. This year, it's at 46.7%. So, I mean, there's been a drop in how much he's just swinging to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, and his infield fly rate is way up, too, by the way. Um, 17% infield fly ball rate. So, maybe it's a matter of he needs to be more aggressive or he is dealing with something. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm definitely concerned. That was uh, something of concern for Glaber Torres. Uh, we don't have the exact answer, but I think I think we're in the mm-hmm. ballpark here. If there's been any injury, like small tidbit, local or anything that any of y'all have seen, please tweet us yeah. at Sporer and at Justin Mason FWFB because I haven't. Um, but I, I I just I have to wonder. Yeah, there hasn't if, been if anything written on him on FanGraphs since. Us. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that that's what that's what I checked as well. Uh, all right, so really. Really cold on on Torres. We are. Uh, let's go to Stanton, Jim Carl Stanton. He's got five homers, so the power has been there. Um, you know, two thirty three ISO is in line with what you, you want. Something in the two hundreds for a guy like this. He is striking out a bunch and not walking. His, his walk rate's in half from where it has been the last two years. But he's playing every day, and I think that right now it's just a little for me. It's a little bit of a lull from him that I'm not too concerned about, but I wonder if you have any Stanton concerns right now based on a 192, 263, 425 line. Nope. I have no concerns whatsoever. Okay. He's healthy. And yeah, I mean, he, he, I think he'll be fine. It is X batting average, you know, 243. Uh, so like, I mean, I think he's gotten a little bit unlucky. 
thus far in terms of the batting average. Uh, yep. And I, I mean, he's hitting for power and he's healthy. He is healthy right now. I mean, he's this, healthy. Yeah, he could I'd easily. Buy, I'd buy the hell out of him to be honest. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I don't know anybody uh, selling him, but I, I'd buy. No, I, I tend to agree with that too. That you probably can't find him being sold, but if you can, jump in. And uh, they're DHing him. They are not letting him play the outfield to keep him safe. They want to protect him. And I I think this is one that's being exacerbated by the fact that everyone's sucking. Similar to what I said Mm -hmm. about LeMayhew, if if they were in isolation struggling, we'd barely talk about it. Well, maybe not Stanton. They hate Stanton in New York. That that dude can't buy a break from that that crowd, so you know that they're probably crapping on him like crazy. Um, Next up is Gary Sanchez, 182-308-309. If I recall correctly, didn't he get off to like a decent first few games? This is why I always I, I want to say he hit two home runs in the first game or something like that. Uh, this is why it's so hard to call anything a start. That, you're right. It was two, two home two, runs yeah. right away. Yeah. And uh, eight games in, he had a 962 OPS. It's like, hey, he's off to a good start. His next uh, his next nine games, 284 OPS. So it's like, I don't know where the cutoff is to call something a good start. But just to... Just it's to, not after two games. It's definitely not after two games. I don't, even, I don't even know if it's after 20 games, though, because another one that... And just to detour real quickly... CJ Crone was off to a bad start, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. In the span of two games, he raised his OPS from 694 to 825. Yep. By getting six hits and a home run against Philly on the weekend. Uh, and so, like, that's how quickly it can change. And I know we have to analyze, we have to talk about guys, and it's just terminology, but it is so crazy how quickly it can turn. But yeah, so Sanchez got off, you know, right away, was hitting well. But those two homers, I think, were carrying him because if you really look from those first two games on, it's a 447 OPS. So even the eight games in when he had a 962, it was still the two homers that were carrying him. Bottom line is this is not new. Uh, he's been struggling pretty consistently since 2018. He he spiked 232 average, 3, 316, 525 in 2019 with 34 homers. Um, but that's an outlier now over the last four years when you look at 18, 19, 20, and so far in 21 – there was a there was a discount for Sanchez, so it's not like you overpaid, I don't think. But where do you stand on Gary Sanchez right now? What are your expectations the rest of the way with him? I mean, I hate to reuse a bit that we just used, but he is who we thought he is. I mean, it's like, true though, right? He, he's he's gonna hit for power. Um, I mean, you look. I mean, I think he's. He, I don't think anybody questions like that. He will hit for power. Uh, he's also going to strike out and he's going to post a 210 to 240 batting average. He is if that thought. dude. Yeah. I mean, he's sub 200 three of the last four years. I think you got to go lower. I think you got to say somewhere between 190 and 230. No, yeah, I mean his XBA is 234 right now. Um, I don't play in any XBA leagues. Oh, you don't you should. <laughs> uh, okay, but that was flipping. <laughs> I apologize. But um what has his XBA been in the last two years when he was hitting Sub 200. Oh, I mean, last year it was 191. <laughs> okay, so it, it <laughs> he was earned like, every bit he of what, what he did. did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and for then sure. 2019 uh, was the good year. What about 2018? What was his XBA? 246. Okay, so he, he hit 186 that year. So, oh, sorry, sorry. You said 2018? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. 215. I think he said 2019. Okay, I skipped 19 because he was actually pretty good that year. And uh, so he's always kind of trended under because he hit 232 and 19. You said it was 246. So yeah. Gary Sanchez trends under, but there's reason to expect that maybe he can at least get back over 200. Um, you wouldn't. I, 
cut him in a two-catcher league. Is there any one-catcher leagues where you might? I mean, it depends on who's available, but yeah, I mean, I think you can well, make... You, you keep talking. Let me see if I can find some people available to challenge I mean, with. look, like Austin Ola. Like if someone, I was going to say that one. Hey, come on. Like, I think you can make the argument that you would rather have the guy that may not hit quite as many home runs, but isn't going to kill you in batting average. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I think especially if you're playing in 10 and 12 team leagues, like uh, you can make the argument. I, I think the bigger issue with Sanchez isn't his performance, but it's the performance of his backup. Um, yeah, Higashioka is is putting in some work. He's saying 286, not... 400, 810 with three home runs. And he put up a little something last year, yeah. too. And, uh, you know, it, it was a really small sample for him because as a backup catcher in a 60-game season, you're really not yeah, getting only, that much. He only, play, he only had 48 plate appearances. But he had a 771 OPS, which is not awful. Yeah. Uh, and I I could see, and he's the better actual catcher. Um, By leaps and bounds, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you could end up seeing this turn into more of a 50-50 timeshare uh, at some point. And, you know, I mean, right now it's kind of 70-30. Um, but I, I think if Sanchez continues to struggle the way he is, he's going to find, like, he doesn't, bring enough offensive value to counteract the defensive value that or the negative value that he brings. So, um, yeah, I do think the biggest concern for me is will he start giving away plate appearances? And with Stanton DHing, there aren't the extra spots for him to get into the lineup. Yep. I think that's a great call out with regards to Sanchez. You mentioned Nola in one catcher league. Um, I think this one's easy, but he is only 43% of the ESPN one catcher leagues. I, I'd cut Sanchez for Omar Narvaez, would you? Yep, I would. Uh, what about the other New York guy, James McCann, who hasn't been very good himself? Would you just hold what you got, or would you go for McCann? Neither's think, been particularly good. Yeah, so. I think it kind of depends on what you need in terms of your team. because Average versus power? Yeah, exactly. I mean, McCann, I feel more comfortable, will hit around 250 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And while that's not a great batting average, it's a pretty good batting average for it's a catcher. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. It's really not that bad. And even for the league, like mm-hmm. 250 is not what it used to be. Like, y- you don't want a ton of 250s, mm-hmm. but you can take some 250s even uh, even among your star players. Uh, that's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Yeah. So um, I don't yeah, mind I that. I, th- I think it's lateral. I, I don't really have any other guys here that um, I-, I would really do. I mean,. Because this guy's not performing well either. He is available, but Mitch Garver, I, I would just stick with Sanchez. Yeah. Because um, I think Jeffers is eating some of that playing time. And then uh, we already talked about Posey. He's only 45% at ESPN. Obviously, we would take Posey over Sanchez. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Let's move on. Last guy here. Or no, excuse me, two more. Clint Frazier, 143, 311, 184. Boy, the the... The ups and downs that he's gone through as a Yankee in terms of just, you know, how not only how he's performing, but how he's viewed by by the fans. Mm-hmm. Because remember, in 2019, he was doing some things offensively, but his defense was just impossibly bad, and he was making all these weird blunders, and so they were hating him for that. Then last year, he greatly improved his defense. Like, he legitimately, it was tangible improvements, and he hit his ass off, 267, 394, 5'11". So then there were big expectations, like, Clint Frazier has arrived. He is a you know centerpiece 
OF, what was he going like OF three? He was mm-hmm. a, the third outfielder for you. Like that's a that's an impact piece. He's been disastrous. Are there reasons for concern on Clint Frazier's awful, awful start? I mean, yes, because they have other people that they can play there. Um, and so he needs to start hitting. Uh, otherwise, he's going to continue to sit, which he's been doing quite a bit of. Uh, Thankfully, in... Brett Gardner's been terrible, though. So is yeah, he a but huge threat to him? He's not a huge threat to him. He shouldn't be a huge threat to him. But he is but they because love they love the veteran leadership. And Cliff yes, Frazier apparently is the exact opposite of that. He's kind of a punk, right? Or at least that's yeah. the that's, that's the, the report. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, I mean, you go look at his statcast page and it's atrocious. Um, you know, hard hit percentage six percentile, XBA two percentile, uh yeah, I mean it's 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 thirty seventh percentile in barrel percentage, and then his defense is bad. So like, not only is like his offense like, oh it's reverted. Oh, it's I mean outs above average two percentile. I I hadn't checked. I didn't see that um, he was like so. It's like on top of like being a bad, you know, having a hard time at the plate. He's also not doing well defensively either. So yeah, yeah I mean. I, I, I want to believe in the talent because I think we've seen the flashes of it. Uh, and I do think he's a guy that can work himself out of it if he's given the opportunities. The hard part is being on a team like New York, they may not give him the opportunities. Um, exactly. And I, I think he needs to become more aggressive. I think, you know, we've seen the walk rate, you know, be really, really high the last two seasons. Um, and I think he's just being too passive at the plate. I mean, his swing percentage is 33% right now. Holy smokes. He's just that's not... Good, that's Clint Frazier not swinging. He, right? Yeah, he's just not swinging right now. So, um, and that has led to, like, um, uh, you know, a called strike percentage of 21%. Oh, no. He's, he's just letting the pitch go by him, literally. And I, I don't know, like, the, this seems like it may be something more mental than it is... Uh, you know, uh, anything else. So I, I'm, I yeah, almost wonder if they need to send him down. Um, Let him clear his head, get, get yeah. right mentally. Um, or maybe there's happen. an injury. I mean, we saw this. I was with, just about to bring that up. because We saw this with like Marcus labor. Simeon, um, you know, when he had broken his handmaid bone, was trying to play through it where he just stopped swinging all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has now been, uh, I think, two seasons where like his swing percentage is or two seasons row where his swing percentage has just gone down and now it's down to 33.3%. Um, and that, that is very, very concerning because he's making good contact when he swings. Frazier is. Yeah. I mean, his, his own contact percentage is 80%. And for a guy like him, like that's, that's pretty darn good. A league average is around 82, 83%. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not making a ton of hard contact, which is weird for him. He's so, a 20% walk rate, too, to go back to your comment about being passive. Like, man, he, he doesn't have a great idea of what he wants to do right now, it seems. Yeah. No, he, I, he really doesn't. And um, I really – I don't know what I, – I, I'm having a hard time figuring out what the issue is. Um, because, I mean, it's not like it's a particular pitch that's plaguing him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he doesn't have a single hit off of a changeup or anything. Oh, but, no. <laughs> like, uh, but he has also hasn't been thrown a lot of them. Like, 
He's been mostly throwing fastballs and breaking balls, but he's just not swinging at anything. So, um, in you know ESPN Yahoo three outfielder formats, he's not heavily rostered at this point. Understandably, he's at forty yeah. percent. Um, I'm wondering if you would move him in five five outfielder leagues where he is still rostered. And and definitely, you know, it's hard to cut him. I, I mm-hmm. can't see cutting him. But would you move him for Michael Kopech? Yes. And just a one for one. Okay. Yep. Uh, what about Taiwan Walker, who's pitching very well? I would. So then you definitely would Jose Arquiti because that's going the other way. Yep. What about another young guy, um, Ryan Weathers, who looks like he has – some runway to have a spot in that San Diego rotation with Morion going down, Lamette hurt. It looks like he's got, and Gore apparently has the yips. Matt Williams uh, told me about that on his pod the other day. And then somebody kind of you know, fact checked him a little bit and said, Hey, I hadn't heard that. It was somebody with like a Padres mm-hmm. thing in their name. They're like, Hey, wh- wh- what's up with that? It wasn't like an aggressive, you're yeah. lying. It was like, Hey, wh- what's the source on that? And he showed the tweet about how they were talking about, in in the old site, there's been some yips for for Matt, Mackenzie Gore. All to say that Weathers has a fifth starter role right now that feels like he could have some some real opportunity there. Would you move him for? Uh, would you move Frazier for Ryan Weathers? I think that is fair. I do have some concerns about Weathers, and uh, and we haven't really seen a third pitch from him, though he supposedly has a changeup that is either average or maybe even above average, but we just haven't mm-hmm. seen it, and that's a bit concerning so far. Uh, but, yeah, I think if, especially if I need the pitching, I probably would. Yeah. I don't think that's out of bounds, man. Even with Kopech and Weathers being uncertain with uh, uh, being young guys, I, I think I still would here because it's just not going well with Frazier. And I don't think there's enough track record to be like, well, you gave away some some star. Like, he had 39 yeah. great games last year. So I think his name cachet is carrying probably He's too still much weight. Super young though. So like keeper dynasty, like I'm not doing anything. Um Yeah, twenty six years old right now. So yeah. there's there's uh, time. But yeah, in a redraft league, like he probably shouldn't be rostered in ten or twelve team leagues. I would agree. Maybe maybe reserve in twelve if you can afford it and he was like one of your guys, Clint Frazier, but otherwise Move on. Get somebody who's doing something in there. All right, last one. This one pains me greatly, even though it's not terribly surprising because of the ebbs and flows of this guy. But I'm a little bit surprised that Aaron Hicks has just a 162-263-09 line. Does have three homers. So imagine what he's been doing in those other plate appearances. If he if he actually has three homers, which is a decent number right now, and still has just a 569 OPS. I remember um, he was going to be hitting three and is a guy I've always loved. So I was like, well, and he's going to be hitting three in a great lineup. Well, he's actually hitting three in a dog shit lineup. Uh, <laughs> he was even worse hitting three, by the way. He has a 432 in those 10 games. It looks like he's been moved down to sixth for four games. I don't know if that's recently or not. Bottom line is he's struggling. Health has always been a major issue for him. Yeah, his last uh, six games have been spent in the six, seven, or nine spots of the lineup. So they're starting to move him out of that three spot there. Although it's not like he's the only one struggling. You might as well just leave him up there so that when he dominates, he can be in the number three hitter. Uh, he says, as he has him on multiple fantasy teams, 
Do you have uh, concerns about Hicks that would lead you to a cut in shallower leagues, or you're you're riding this one out? I think I'm riding this one out. Um, I think you know. I think he might be. I mean, he he dealt with a back issue uh, last week, and maybe he was just kind of stiff or having trouble getting loose. And uh, I think he's gonna be okay. He's a stiff, all right. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, he's making you know similar amount of contact uh, that he has previously, like, you know, 70% overall contact rates, 80% in the zone, uh, mm-hmm. and he still walks like it's, I'm not overly concerned as long as he's healthy. I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Did you mention the tiny Babbitt for Hicks as well? I did so it's like, this one does look like, yeah, I think we kind of gone back and forth here. Like, uh, LeMahieu, not really worried. Torres, Super worried. Stanton, not so much. Sanchez, in between, I guess. And then Frazier, pretty worried. Hicks, I think we're coming out not so worried because if he does stay healthy. Now, you mentioned the back, and that could be something that's Mm -hmm. lingering. Uh, But if he's playing every day, he's at least healthy to a a particular degree, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to just play an injured Aaron Hicks. And so I'm with you. I tend to want to ride this out. He is like – Legitimately one of my favorite players. I, I I don't know why I latched on to him when he was with Minnesota. He's, he's not he was that a, great of a player. He was a, but, he was the number one overall prospect in baseball at one point. I completely forgot that. He yeah, I mean he was he was like the he was the next guy. Like you know? I mean he was supposed to be power speed. He was supposed to be five tool guy because he has mm-hmm. great defense, power speed. Speed's never really come through. He has three double digit stolen bases, but he's not a burner. But the power has been there and flourishes. The twenty seven homer, eleven steal season uh, in twenty eighteen was fantastic, and you know I just I've always really liked him. So thirty one years old. Health is always a concern. I'm riding it out for at least another couple of weeks with Hicks. And as long as he stays healthy, I, I don't see why he can't rebound. The bottom line is, is that the bulk of these, you know, four or five of these guys, of these six, are going to turn around. And they're going to be putting up, like, double-digit runs for, like, a two-week stretch at some point. Like, it's coming, yeah. right? Yeah. I just don't – I can't get my mind to think that this team is they're not. No, they're not this bad. They're, they're just not. So anyway, that's a deeper look at the Yankees. Um, if you are a Yankees fan and you are concerned, good. Deal with it, okay? <laughs> Go because, hug your 27 titles. You'll be yeah, fine. Because uh, we, we don't care. We're, we're, we're happy about it because we're, we're mean. We're mean people. But <laughs> Justin, great speaking with you, man. We'll be back on Thursday uh, talking some more fantasy baseball. Until then, peace. Take it easy.